0: This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherb, the place to create a life well lived. Welcome back to the ENEA Health Series, the place where I want to help you build nourishing life rhythms based on your Enneagram type that actually last Today, we're interviewing a special friend and an Enneagram Type 1 on what this looks like realistically and practically. I'm so honored that you're here and you're ready to dive into Enneagram Type 1 with my friend as I interview her and the obstacles and the practical steps and her words of encouragement on what it takes to live out of a healthy Enneagram Type 1. Now, of course, the goal of all of this goes back to the original definition of what self-care actually means. Unlike our common idea of what self-care is, the original definition of self-care had to do with having this deep sense of self-awareness so deep that you knew how to heal and love and respect yourself so much that you provided what your body needed to thrive. It's different than the original definition, which is bath bombs and uh, massages and all those things, which is more like self-indulgence. And of course, there's a time and a place for self-indulgence, and we all love a good dose of it. But self-indulgence and self-care are two completely different things, and understanding the definition, while they're both necessary and needed, I think what we really need and what I really hope inside this series is that self-care knowing yourself so deeply that you know how to help your body heal. And we're talking about that specifically for Enneagram type one inside this podcast. Today on the show, I'm interviewing a good friend named Shelby as I ask her questions about what does it really look like to be an Enneagram type one? What are some hurdles and obstacles that you have to overcome to live in health? and also what things have worked well and what hasn't worked well for you as she kind of goes about her own health journey. Now, I love Shelby, and I love the information she has to offer. It really is a game changer. I hope if you're an Enneagram type one, you can relate so well to this. Well, I'm sure also having your own story and own hurdles and obstacles that you too have to overcome. But let this be encouragement to know that it is possible. Health is inside all of us. It's not about perfection, but it's about taking practical action. Health is not something that you have to wait for or something that you have to fix inside of yourself. It's there and it's learning how to live that out. So I hope on today's podcast, you can learn more about that. Now, of course, if you didn't listen to the previous episode, all on type one, make sure you go back and do so. And then grab that download over at thelivingwell.com backslash Enneagram to get those self-care practices and ways to implement health within your mind, body, and soul that help you live this out, to become a healthy version of yourself, to rise above the Enneagram, to grow and to help your body heal. Again, you can find all of that at thelivingwell.com backslash Enneagram. And by all means, download the guide for all the different types that we're going to be diving into right here on the podcast. And of course, while you're there, don't forget to grab your own version of the Nourish Planner, which is something that we talk about in every single episode, the importance of planning and structure and creating those nourishing life rhythms that should not be rigid or stagnant or cause you to run away, but to really encourage you to dive into health and to make it who you are. That's the goal. Health is inside of you. You don't have to wait around for it. How can you live it out today? Let me help you do that inside this podcast and also put it into practical application using the Nourish Planner. But for now, I want to welcome Shelby to the show as we dive into today's podcast on the practical application of what it looks like to live in health as an Enneagram Type 1. Welcome to the show, Shelby. Uh, It's so fun to have just my friends on the show and... I really follow you because you're, you know, way more about the Enneagram one than I probably even can relate in this message. I've done a lot of <laughs> research, but girl, you know, you know, your Enneagram one. So I'm excited to dive into a real life perspective of how we can create nourishing life rhythms based on our Enneagram type. Now, no pressure because I know ones don't like to feel the pressure already being perfectionist that. <laughs> you're called Enneagram Ones. Isn't that ironic? I'm like, why would they make the perfectionist type the number one? <laughs> like, you... They say there's
1: no order, but I'm like, oh, okay.
0: Well, I think that was on purpose. Right. You just set the bar. <laughs> okay. But really, I just want you to give me a brief overview about an Enneagram One, um, what you love about it and what you struggle with it. Because I think that there is this like this notion that we're, that it boxes us in, but I really feel like the Enneagram is supposed to unbox us from what we've already created on ourselves. I don't know if that made any sense, but anyway, so kind of go over what, what do you love about it and what do you struggle with?
1: So overall, I think the Enneagram ones have this deep desire to be good is typically the word they use for it. But Mm -hmm. I like to say like, right. And not like you're wrong. I'm right. But like morally right. Like this is the, this is the correct thing to do. Um, they strive to be perfect, which is just hilarious because you can't be, right. <laughs> and I think the first step to like accepting your Enneagram one is like saying, okay, I can't be perfect. Um, but we really just want to make things better. Like mm-hmm. we're action oriented when something gets in front of me, I'm like, how can I fix it? How can I improve it? Um, we're stereotypically said that we're judgmental, but I think that's mostly towards ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we have like the inner critic that is just constantly saying like, this is how it should be. And this isn't how is it, how it isn't like this gap is your fault kind of Mm -hmm, thing. mm -hmm. So that kind of just like haunts an Enneagram one all the time. Um, We have a lot of integrity though. We're super committed. We're responsible. We're reliable. Um, So I love being an Enneagram one and I absolutely hate it. Like I (laughs) love it because we, we get stuff done. Like we Mm -hmm. are really high capacity. Mm -hmm. We're organized. We're efficient. Like, well, I would like me in my corner. I'm like, I'm reliable. Like Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a great person, but then I'm also like, I am so rigid and I'm one track minded and I lack a lot of grace for myself and others. If I'm being honest, um, have high expectations that are just like ridiculous all the time. And of course we are perfectionists. I think that shows up differently in every person's behavior. But at the core of it, like, we do have this drive to be perfect, and so that makes us perfectionists, and that is not a good thing. So that is what I don't like about being a one.
0: Right, right. And And when I did this whole research, honestly, I had no idea that my wing for my Enneagram type, so I'm an Enneagram two. I always thought my wing was an Enneagram three, but I'm totally a one. And the reason I'm a one is that inner self-critic is strong in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like it's an all day thing. And I, I guess I didn't realize that this is more a personality based thing rather than what do I want to say. Like, I just assumed everyone had that, <laughs> but I couldn't quite fathom. Right? Like even yeah. when I would talk to Peyton, he's like, what do you mean your mind's running all the time? And how does your mind tell you all this stuff? I'm like, no, it's just constant chatter. And like you said, I think there's kind of this negative, I didn't want to be a one. I was like, no way. Like I can't be a one because i kind of thought that it was just harsh on the world, but I'm coming to learn that Enneagram ones. And I think this is important in health. And what I want to ask you next is we're we're the hardest on ourselves. And that inner critic is, is creating expectations that we believe, but those expectations are often unmet and it's leading to excess stress and, Um, you know, it's this constant like battle with the inner critic. So as you've done health, obviously the inner critic is a huge hurdle. And I think it's something that we need to talk about Mm -hmm. in in the health space with Enneagram Ones. How do you deal with your inner critic?
1: Well, I have to, one, like I said, you have to get to that first place where you say like, I can't be perfect. And Mm -hmm. sometimes saying that to myself, like I can't be perfect and I can do one little thing at a time. Well, I mean, I think, like, back to all the things that I said I love and I hate about my Enneagram type, I have to, like, go back to those things I love and, like, find that I've been given those as gifts. Those are good things. And almost speaking to myself, saying, like, no, this is the gifting that I'm leaning into. This is what I'm good at. Even though, yes, I do fall short, that's normal for everyone to fall short in areas. And just going back to this is what I'm good at. This mm-hmm. is okay, and I'm stepping into my gifting instead.
0: hmm Right. So going along those lines, what are some other hurdles you face? With getting healthy, like really uncovering your true health as a person, as it relates to you, what are those hurdles that you face?
1: I think, I think that at least for me, all or nothing is a huge barrier for ones, Mm -hmm. like that mentality of like, I'm 100% in because we're really good at being 100% in, but you can't be 100%. Mm -hmm forever. Right. And so like realizing that I was being a hundred percent in on this and I was making a mistake and I was filing out of control because I made one mistake. Mm-hmm. Like that's not long-term like Going to work to be healthy. Also, like a hurdle for me definitely was just defining something as healthy or unhealthy. Like mm-hmm. looking at times in my life and saying, I was unhealthy or I was healthy. Mm-hmm. Instead of seeing it as like a journey, I was seeing it as a box being mm-hmm. checked or not. Mm-hmm. And so, in like a little mistake, I'm like, well, I can't check the healthy box today. And so, why would I check it tomorrow? And it would just kind of go out of control there. So I definitely think that the all or nothing mentality is a huge hurdle to Enneagram 1.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. This all or nothing mindset of it's either good or it's bad. And there's really no gray area. Yep. Is that is that how you would describe nope. it? So and Totally.
1: You're... And I didn't think I was a black or white person. Mm-hmm. But then I see like, in, especially in health, making mistakes.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't allow
1: there to be any gray area. I see it as... Black or white, healthy, unhealthy.
0: So, mm-hmm. totally. So, now, how do you go o- about overcoming that? Of recognizing that you can make mistakes, but it doesn't have to sabotage you. Because what I've learned in the Enneagram research of ones is, one, they're the most likely to m- emotionally eat. Like like you said, we're either hot mm-hmm. or we're cold. Mm-hmm. And we're either really, really good or we're really, really off. And And so, we have to learn how how we can kind of create this behavior modification so to say about understanding that's part of us and really being aware of that so we can maybe take back control of that so what are some ways that you do that in your daily life of of getting out of the the black or white and entering this un, unknown gray area
1: sure so i I think that like commitment, like lean, again, leaning into our strengths, commitment is a strength, integrity, like this purpose. We do have a purpose. We want to pursue health and that's good. Getting out of one mistake, like making a spiral, I think is patience. Mm -hmm. So I really struggled at the beginning of my like health journey, although I think our whole life is a health journey, but I struggled at the beginning thinking that being good isn't good enough. I kept on coming back to that phrase. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm being good. I'm doing everything right. And like the pounds aren't coming off or Mm -hmm. I'm not feeling strong in this way, or, um, I'm not drawn to these foods, even though they say you're going to acquire a taste to good foods. And I just kept on saying when being good, isn't good enough. And I think the response to that is patience. I Mm -hmm. mean, being angry that you're not a good enough can only be solved with patience and Mm -hmm. so that is what I have used when I have those feelings of but everyone else almost you know everyone Mm -hmm. else doesn't have to be as good as me it's that pressure that Enneagram ones have on their shoulders and the only thing that can solve this is just patience and commitment and staying the course And in order to help myself stay the course, I remember that there's a lot of integrity behind wanting to pursue health. Like Mm -hmm. that is a good and that is a noble cause. Mm -hmm. So at least for me, like that's kind of how I've had to put emotion behind my actual daily steps.
0: Right. And I love how you have this focus on using our strengths because I think that's hard just in general. Like That shows how healthy you are as the Enneagram One because it's really a challenge sometimes to look at change as just leveraging what we're naturally gifted at. And that's the whole purpose of this series is to show you, hey, if you're this Enneagram, here's some ways to leverage that for your benefit because our weaknesses are going to be there. But I love that you override those with your strengths. So what are some ways that you do practically leverage your strengths as an Enneagram one?
1: I think back to the, like, commitment, like, I really hold on to that, and when we say we're going to do something, like, we do it, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to commit to something, and I've learned, like, don't go 100% right away, commit to something little every day, that's fine, but, like, I know I can do commitment, it's just how much am I putting on my plate when I do commit? Mm-hmm. So I leverage like that strength that like I am reliable even to myself. I can rely on myself if I make a commitment. It's just like being more wise and aware in my health. How much do I start with committing to so I don't set myself up for failure?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's really great. Um, it's great to know those those boundaries too. So I have some things that I shared in the last episode and I want to know if these seem practical to a one. These were just a list of things that I said, and I want to see if you would add anything to it. So when it comes specifically okay. to like diet and exercise, I said ones should really leverage meal planning because ones like a list and organization. Um, so meal planning and meal prep. How does that feel to you?
1: Totally. Totally. It makes me feel on the top of the world too. Uh-huh. Like I'm like, yeah, I got this together. Like, We love, like, writing stuff down, checking things off. Mm -hmm. So if we can, like, set ourselves up to check off something and make ourselves feel successful, that's great. It will make more success.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Okay, so another one was there's this idea with ones that we can get stuck in the same routine over and over and over again, and which is great, but at the same time, if it becomes – it's almost like ones are so self-aware, but they don't act on their self-awareness. So what I mean by that is, like, Ones are most likely to push through the pain of a workout because they just want to succeed at the workout, and they don't care how much pain they went through to get there. Would you say that's accurate? Totally. Yeah. Totally. So I
1: like, feel like I've spent years pushing through workouts that weren't really for my body, mm-hmm. just because I wanted to be able to to do it to like say I did it. You know.
0: Right. Yeah. So things like yoga. <laughs> And slower workouts tend to be harder for ones because it doesn't feel as if you've maybe succeeded enough or it's almost like no pain, no gain is a really common mindset for a one of there has to be this Mm -hmm. suffering involved to see success. And so what I wrote down for like some exercise points is like mixing up your workouts, like trying to stay out of the routine because boredom is a real problem with ones and also yoga and listening to your body and acting on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that resonates with me because that's a struggle for mm-hmm. sure. I had a yoga workout plan this morning and I did half of it, but I'm committed. So I'm going to finish it tonight.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's not as appealing. Slower workouts don't tend to be as appealing to ones, but they're also very life-giving to a one because one of the things that ones need to do ones are in the action triad or whatever I think it's ones threes and eights like they're they're the most action takers like they're go-getters they're always on the go like you I know you you're always on the move right like you're go 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 yeah and I'm that way too and I um I think there there's value in making a one slow down um and even when I bring up some lifestyle things like I think it's important for ones and the health space that we have to learn to relax and solitarity Like getting in touch with yourself, like quietness and space and journaling, those can all be really difficult things for ones, but in the health spectrum, super powerful.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes what's hardest is what's best. I Mm -hmm. see that a lot because even saying that, I'm like, if I sat down with a journal, that would be so challenging to me because I would write down a to-do list or I would write down, Mm -hmm. you know, action-oriented stuff instead of doing like internal work. Mm -hmm. It's really hard for us.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then one other thing that I had was that once are really like in health, they go to a seven. So they're more spontaneous and adventurous, but fun doesn't necessarily come easily to a one because there's other things that need to be done. There's other reform that needs to happen, right? Um, so scheduling fun, yeah. wh- what do you, how do you work around this? Like, do you, I feel like I know you and I feel like you're a super fun person. I probably wouldn't have tagged you. I would see you more as like a seven in in some occasions,
1: but, well, thank you. Bless your heart. I yeah. love that. I <laughs> want to be a seven. I want people to think I'm a seven, but I'm
0: my like inner critic t- would never let me be. Right. These. Right. Well, how, do you, how do you find this balance of fun in your life?
1: I think other people who don't understand the Enneagram, especially Enneagram ones would say like, just like push all your to-do list to the side and have some fun. And I'm like, no, I get everything done. Like I plan my day that like I'm getting this all done so that I can have fun during this time like if we have plans at evening or something in the afternoon with the kids or whatever i like purposely will get up early and do the stuff that it's not on my mind mm-hmm. because it's not realistic for a one to just like push their to-do list and their responsibilities to the side for a couple hours it like is always on our mind so i just i just make the time for it like mm-hmm. and like fun is worth it and so I'm going to work hard before so that I can go have fun. And for a while, I thought that was ridiculous. But understanding, like once you understand the Enneagram, it kind of just clicks. It's like, that's okay. That's how I was wired. And if I need to do that to enjoy things, that's okay.
0: Right, right. And I like that perspective because I think that's why this is important in knowing yourself is there's so many ideas of what you should be doing. But if it doesn't work for you and it doesn't bring you joy, even if it brings someone else joy... Like, that doesn't mean that it's there, there's nothing that will help you. You know, it's just finding what works for you. Um, so kind of breaking down those false ideas of what it takes to get there and just starting to understand who you are and accepting that. And, and I'm the same way with you. Like, if there's things to be done, I know I'm a better person if I just get them done rather than just setting it aside and going out because it's always on my mind. Then I'm crabby and I'm not as uh, involved in the conversation and all those things. So totally. Totally. just a few other things that I had given advice on. I just said, in, in general, ones need to uh, focus on a little bit more flexibility within themselves to, I think, also to be aware of our inner critic and maybe challenge our inner critic, which has been something that's been challenging for me. And yet, at the same time, super refreshing. Um, this is just something I've been doing lately is just... Is that a true statement that I'm telling myself? I'm not sure exactly Mm. if I've really overcome that, but just being aware of, is this true or is just this my inner critic just kind of just beating me down all the time? And it's exhausting. Is your inner critic exhausting sometimes?
1: Totally. And then it's like, what? Yeah, in your mind, it's like, what is true? What should I be listening to? So that's so good to like challenge it right then. Yeah. And i yeah, at the end of the day, I'm so exhausted. And I'm like, well, where did all these thoughts
0: come from? Oh my goodness. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the advice was give your inner critic a rest. Um, I wasn't quite sure what that would look like for me. I don't know if you have an answer to that. Like, I, I, when I was doing research, it just kept saying give your inner critic a rest. And I couldn't really quite pinpoint how I might go about doing that. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever thought That's about that. Interesting.
1: But- I've never thought about that, but in my mind, I do think like I'm a Christian and I come from that perspective. And I think sometimes it's like giving permission to that voice in my head because I know that voice isn't coming Mm -hmm. from God, Mm -hmm. like something that's constantly tearing down. And like we have the power to just not give it permission to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would be my way of giving it a rest. Um, I a lot of times like to see the inner critic as like pointing out that gap between me and perfection or Mm -hmm. a situation and perfection. And so a helpful thing for me to say is like, let grace fill the gap. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have to fill that gap. There is going to always be a gap between where I'm at and perfection, but like grace can fill that. And that's kind of the way that I fight off whatever the inner critic wants to tell me about that gap.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I really think that ones just need grace upon grace upon grace. And I mean, it's just daily, a daily choice to take that grace, um, knowing that it's nothing that we can do or work for, but it's just a gift. And, um, yeah, I think that's so valuable, but again, something that takes a lot of awareness and working on. So as we look more at these healthy habits or lifestyle rhythms, what do you feel like as you've learned more about the Enneagram, what are some things that have really stuck for you? Like things that like hit home this makes sense this works and and it's stuck
1: um as far as like action-oriented things
0: yeah or just just anything mindset or action-oriented things as it relates to health
1: of course I'm like looking for the action-oriented because I'm the one yeah (laughs) um but
0: I think like starting
1: little um has just been so key Like one small goal a day and set Mm -hmm. that as the expectation because I've learned that ones are like obsessed with expectations. And so I'm like, I can control the expectation for the day and I'm not gonna make it perfection. I'm gonna do this one, two, however many like goals for the day because we do like to do lists. We Mm -hmm. like to have like a purpose. So that's okay. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna leverage that. So playing off of that, but then also like making it more than just a to do list. I've been like choosing every day like a different reason. Why, why am I pursuing health? Because we do like to have a purpose. We like to reform. We like to make things Mm -hmm. better. And so looking at my health, I'm like, why do I want to make it better? And every day choosing something different to just kind of meditate on, it's making health more, more about like my mind, my body, my soul all together than rather it's just be like an action that I need to get done every day.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. I feel like everything that kept coming to mind for me was ones just tend to be fixers in general and like coming alongside of ourselves and just recognizing how can I just fill myself? Like I feel like that's been such a huge transformation for me is to say I don't need to work out to fix my problem or whatever I see as a problem or to eat this food to fix whatever I think is my health problem, right? Like how can I just nourish my body and fill it and my my mind and my soul, right? Like Taking it from like this works-based idea into just, just grace-filled way of life. And I think that's exactly kind of what you said. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. So speaking of grace, what grace do Enneagram ones need to give themselves?
1: What what grace? What is grace? <laughs> we need like all the grace. All the grace. Um you know, as I said at the beginning, for me, it's like the first thing is knowing like I'm not enough. And that is in, a, in of itself so much grace to me, like just acknowledging I'm not enough. I think like a lot of people want to counter one's frustrations with like, you are enough, you do enough. And it's like, the truth is I'm not, and that's okay. Um, grace, allows me to cope with that. It gives me freedom to make mistakes and it not be the end of the world. So Mm -hmm. we definitely need grace for ourselves in that way. But I also see like grace towards other people. And the Enneagram has so helped me give that grace to people by just saying that like their world is so different than mine, how they perceive things and how they're portraying things is like beautiful in and of itself. And it's not not like me and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So grace towards others has totally
0: transformed Mm -hmm. it takes a whole level of pressure off of again the expect the unmet expectation is is a really hard thing i think especially maybe for a one um Mm -hmm. and i can't tell if it's unrealistic but i like your idea of setting smaller expectations or little goals but i'm still fighting that like on the daily like on the weekends i expect certain things are going to happen or go a certain way and unmet expectations. Oh man, my inner critic loves that, right? Like <laughs> yeah. there's nothing more fun than that. But yeah, that, that is really good. Okay. So as an Enneagram one, how would you encourage another Enneagram one?
1: I would just say it doesn't have to be perfect for you to start because I think we get tripped up in the middle of pursuing health or we get tripped up before we even try to start pursuing health because we can't do it perfectly. And it doesn't have to be perfect to start. Like it's noble and it's good and it is reforming just to take one step at a time and maybe make a mistake mm-hmm. and then you just get back to it. I mean, it sounds like saying this is easier than it is to actually walk it out as an Enneagram one. But just keep on telling yourself, like, it doesn't have to be perfect to start. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Do you find that that's, like, a daily thing? Like, you have to wake up and remind yourself every single day?
1: Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, every day. Another phrase that I say is, like, it doesn't have to be intense to be good. Back Mm -hmm. to, like, the yoga thing. Like, totally. I I want it to be, like, 100% or I'm not doing it. And I just Mm -hmm. have to say, no, it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be intense to be good and worthwhile and valuable.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's, yeah, just, again, reminding ourselves that we don't have to fix things and even fixing ourselves um, can lead to a lot of unmet expectations and a lot of less grace than we actually need. Your advice is so good, Shelby. Totally. Okay. Do you have anything else you'd like to add as an Enneagram one? Because I know you came prepared. <laughs> so is there <laughs> anything else that you find beneficial for an Enneagram one to know? Or someone who's not, uh, I'm like, I'm encouraging everyone to listen to this because, like you said, it's so good to understand other people. Like, there was a time in my life when I couldn't realize why my husband could not help the kids out, you know, like when they were crying and, you know, they needed food. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you are seeing that and reacting to that and trying to fix that before it is even registered in my mind that there's a problem. And I'm like, oh, like, you don't even (laughs) see it. Like, that's just who you are. Like, that's just not going off in your mind. And I was like, oh, so I could like kind of let go of the, kind of, let go of the expectation that he's not even (laughs) seeing this happen. Like, it's just not even on his radar. Um, In the same way with my sister, she's an Enneagram 7, and she just like, she just doesn't see that stuff very quickly you know and I feel like Enneagram 1s like we're all about like fix it fix it fix it reform make it better you know like and
1: like I'm thinking like everyone should listen to these why aren't why don't they all understand it's okay (laughs) if everyone doesn't listen that's okay but if you do listen to a number that isn't yours and you're listening right now uh, don't criticize Enneagram Ones very much. Be gentle with them because they've already, like, corrected themselves. Like, mm-hmm. when they make a mistake, they know it. They're dealing with it. Um, and I think affirmation is, like, really helpful for Enneagram One in relationship with other people. It's like, they just need to be, like, told, we, Enneagram Ones, mm-hmm. need to be told, like, you're doing good. Like, mm-hmm. you're, of course, I use the word good, but, like, your commitment is good. You're... Um, desire mm-hmm. to love on yourself and health.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I just, I think affirmation is so helpful. We want to know that we're doing something worthwhile. Um, I don't know how else any ones can be loved very well because I, I do kind of think maybe I am difficult to love because all I want is that affirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, as an enneagram one myself, like something that I've like learned is that we're like so uptight and give off the wrong impression to other people mm-hmm. so if you know a one or you know someone who like constantly is like giving you a dirty look they're not giving you a dirty look it's many one they're just dealing with the inner critic in their head
0: mm-hmm. so
1: that I should put that in the list of things I don't really like about us but I'm working through it and um learning to be more warm with
0: one yeah yeah that's so good Jelly. such great advice I really thank you for being here <laughs> and being willing to come on the show and talk about it Um, it has been fantastic. And you have offered so much advice and practical information. And I think it's just so good to know, man, like some of these things, it's just like, oh, it feels so good to know I'm not alone. Like it's so it feels so good in some ways to know that my inner critic isn't the only one that's that's running wild inside my brain. (laughs) You know, like I'm not crazy. Like this is normal. Um, It's part of who I am. And there are ways to be healthy at any type. And it's using these strengths to get ourselves there, like you said, to kind of overcoming the weaknesses with what we're good at and using more of that. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your advice. I, uh, I (laughs) hope it was fun for you too. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. Before we go though, I have a few quick fire questions. So I do this oh, on boy. every show. Okay. So just really quickly, just whatever you can think of. So first off, what is the first thing you do every morning for your health?
1: Um, I wish I could say that I journal or I read or something, but I get up and I move my body right away. Mm-hmm. If I don't, it's like a terrible day. So I just try and get up, drink my pre-workout, go right to the workout before excuses come up or to-do list. So move my body right yeah.
0: away. Okay. So this is just something that popped in my head. Do you feel like, I mean, Enneagram ones are action takers. They're naturally very active people. Do you feel like when you, like, it's just like this intense drive inside of your body to, to move right away? Like, um, or do you feel like yeah, you have to I work? Do, it?
1: I do, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of working at, and to get into the routine of it, but I definitely don't feel like this longing to sit on the couch with a cup of coffee as yeah. one I've never like I'd like to just get right to it and we can relax later
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah, 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 makes sense, okay, what is your favorite health book okay i
1: all I need to like shout out all the Enneagram ones. Does anyone read like really intensely because? As an Enneagram one, I just feel like I don't read enough, and it's because I can't, like, make the time for it, and I can't do it perfectly, and so I'm like, well, Mm. what's the point? I mean, it's like a nightmare to think about getting through a book halfway and not finishing it, and so a lot of times I just don't even pick them up, so I was like, Mm. health book, huh? I honestly, I have to be honest here because I have a lot of integrity and moral standards as a one. I don't have the
0: favorite health book. Yeah. No, that's great. I I totally see that. I I didn't know people didn't read books into in their entirety. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Like I just thought once you picked it up, even if you didn't like it, you just finish it because that's what you did.
1: You have yeah. to. You <laughs> yeah. have to do the
0: And my sister's oh. like, No, I can't make it past like twenty pages and I'm done. And I'm like, What? Like that's it like don't you just need to know? Like sometimes I'll find myself like going pretty quickly through it like not picking up a lot of information but I want to get to the end like I have to get to the end
1: (laughs) that's so funny see if I'm not picking up information then I'm not reading it oh yeah like I can't Mm -hmm. do that if I can't like glisten from every single word so yeah that's a
0: big yeah i can see that there um the one book that keeps um, being recommended i think for ones is the book called the gifts of imperfection i've not read it Ooh. but i can see how maybe that would be beneficial for a one <laughs> that was okay. uh, the top okay. health book that was recommended for a one okay what is one food you couldn't live without
1: um it can be any food. tacos
0: Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah,
1: tacos. I wanted to say eggs, but tacos for sure. It's just, it's comforting and fast. And I'm Mm -hmm. talking authentic tacos, not like shredded cheese and shredded lettuce on a flour tortilla, like authentic tacos.
0: Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I always get tripped up with the question, would if you had nothing else to eat, would it be tacos or pizza? I'm like super torn between that, but I can, authentic (laughs) tacos I might be able to do forever. Okay, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received, and you want to leave us with? It doesn't have to relate to an anyone, um, just advice in general.
1: Yeah, I think this can relate to anyone and any type. And I, for the longest time, thought it was ridiculous advice. But my mom always tells me it's always it's only a season, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, but I'm in the season, so it's difficult to hear that right now, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it has like just rung true through every stage and every difficult circumstance and even good circumstances. Like it's only a season. It's only going to last so long. Like Mm -hmm. you can endure and you don't have to like have been arrived somewhere in this season. Like it's a journey. Life is a journey. My health um, pursuit is a journey. So just like reminding myself of that, that it's only a season is really helpful for me. And I don't know why, like, it just recently really has rung true and helped me get through
0: some stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. Practical, basic, simple advice that we can all use. So thank you so much for sharing Shelby. Thank you so much again for being here. You are such a light and I, um, I'm sure everyone's going to love this interview. So thanks. Thanks for sticking with me and doing this.
1: Oh, thank you so much.
0: Okay. That was so fun. And I'm so glad that I'm doing this little interview series Because I really did learn so much from Shelby. She had so much encouragement and insight into an Enneagram type one. And as you can see, she's really taken this advice, this practical advice and implemented it into her life. And that, my friend, is exactly what self-care looks like. It's this ebb and flow, the seasonality, but really just digging and uncovering who you are enough to know how to create these nourishing life rhythms that makes health not just something that you do, but who you are. And that's the importance in this Ennea Health series. So I just want to thank you again so much for being here. If you wouldn't mind sharing this with your friends and family, I would love that. Take a screenshot of the podcast and share it on Instagram or Facebook. Make sure you tag me at Alexa Sherm and leave a comment about why you're loving the show. Also, don't forget to download that guide at thelivingwell.com backslash Enneagram. And in the next podcast, we're diving into Enneagram type two. So I'll see you there.